Welcome to the Why God Why podcast. My name is Peter Englert. I'm one of the hosts of this show. We're here with our illustrious and remarkable producer, Nathan Yoder. Um, and we exist to respond to the questions you don't feel comfortable asking in church. Today, uh, we have a new friend. Uh, his name is Dallas Viva. He is from Mariner's Church out in California. We're going to hear a lot about his story. Um, but the question we're asking is why forgiveness is not one step. Um, and so it's not the only step. And uh, I think there's been a lot of confusion on forgiveness, what it is, what it isn't. And I think Dallas's story is going to shine a light on it. So Dallas, welcome to the podcast. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Appreciate it. Awesome. Well, hey, excited. why don't we do this? Uh, take a little moment to introduce yourself, you know, tell us how you got to Mariners and your story, and then we'll jump into kind of the bigger story from there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I was born in Orange County, California, which is where I currently live, currently work. Um, I got Some people have to suffer for the savior out here in Orange County with the beaches and the beautiful weather. Uh, just it's part of my journey. Uh, I grew up here, went to college here, got married. Uh, and then right after I got married, uh, it's been seven years with my wife, Kelly. We moved to Michigan. That is where she is from. So I got the experience of back pain from shoveling snow, uh, from having cold toes, but also the beauty of the Midwest, uh, the people, uh, college sports, all of that. I was a worship pastor in Michigan. We had our first kid there, lived there three and a half years. And one day I got a random call from Irvine and it was Mariner's Church. And they said, hey, we have a we have a position that we think would be a great fit for you. I had some friends who worked at Mariner's and it was it was a great fit. I went from worship ministry to adult discipleship ministry. So here at Mariner's, I uh, my technical title is young adults and singles pastor. So I have to explain what young adults is. <laughs> young adults always needs to be defined uh, because everybody's like, is that for me? Singles ministry, is that for me? So young adults, we have college, we have what we call 20s, 30s, and then we have singles ministry. So I I oversee that. I have some incredible people on the team uh, who work with me. And uh, just so, so blessed. I have two kids. We had another kid when we moved to California. So been married seven years to my wife, Kelly. Uh, I have a four-year-old named Holland, and I have a one-year-old named Brighton, and I am super, super blessed. Did you? That's a little bit of my journey. Well, well, let's come back to that. Um, Did you name your kids after Michigan uh, towns and cities? Ah, yeah. Someone's from Michigan, and they know. (laughs) Yeah, uh, they named a city after me in Texas, Dallas. So I thought (laughs) um, I would, uh, I would name my kids after cities. It's kind of a special thing in my family. People in California have no idea, but when we go visit Michigan, they're like, "Oh." you guys, you guys just love that city, huh? I'm like, yeah, yeah, sure. <laughs> so we're a city family. That's what we do. I love it. I love it. Well, you know, before we talk about forgiveness, uh, why it's not only one step, um, help us kind of understand your kind of journey. You have, you know, a very specific story. Why don't you walk us through kind of your journey of forgiveness, what you went through, um, and then we'll kind of jump off from there. Yeah. Uh, I grew up in, in an incredible family. Uh, I was so blessed. My parents, we went to church every single week and 
I had, I had such a blessed life, the life that I would want to create for my kids. My parents did that for me. And I had just graduated about to graduate college. And I remember it was Christmas time and my parents were fighting more than normal. I didn't understand what was happening. And it was the first time my future wife and her family were sitting at Christmas with us. I was like, this, this is the greatest Christmas ever, which moments later, hours later would turn into probably one of the worst Christmas times ever. I remember waking up on Christmas morning and my dad pulled me aside and he said, Hey, uh, we need to talk. And he's got tears in his eyes. And he said, your mom is having an affair and I, I don't know what to do. So it was that moment of like, I got lightheaded. It felt like the whole world started spinning around me. Um, I couldn't eat and it was just coming to terms with what was happening. So that led to a journey of unforgiveness. So my story is more of a what not to do. And here's all the things that I've learned from my mistakes with forgiveness. And it led to years of not talking to my mom and uh, I couldn't forgive her. And the times we did talk would turn into a, a match of yelling at one another and not my proudest moments. So years of not talking, years of saying, I'm never going to forgive you for what you did to me, what you did to my family, to our family. And I just couldn't, couldn't get over it. And there are so many things that, that happened that spurred, you know, the Holy spirit, God working in my heart. Um, I, I just remember every morning I would get ready for work and a friend of mine started a clothing, a Christian clothing company. And there was a shirt that he had that just said, forgive. I hated that shirt with a passion because every morning I was reminded to forgive, but I also knew I need to keep that shirt there because it's, it's convicting me, but I hate that shirt because I know what I need to do, but I'm choosing to not do it. And over time it turned into what if I just prayed, God help me forgive my mom. Hmm. So over time, I remember the first time trying to pray, I couldn't even get the words out of my mouth. So I was sitting in a prison of bitterness that I created, and I was also holding the keys to get out. So this story of just unforgiveness and finally praying that prayer and like, I think I, I kind of meant it this time. And then the next morning seeing it, like, let me try this again. And it was time and time and time of praying that prayer to, I got to a point, I think, I think I might actually go have a conversation. And I went and had a conversation and I remember both of us laughing. This was the first time in a couple of years that we talked and we didn't scream and yell at each other. And it was a beautiful conversation of trying to work some things out, asking for forgiveness. And it was me asking for forgiveness as well of, Hey, I, I was wrong for how I treated you. And, you know, she was like, Hey, I was wrong for all that I've done as well. And that just led to a journey of where do we go from here? How do we, how do we do this relationship together? And, um, I think that's, this is the unique thing with our stories is this is a part of my story that I tried to hide from everyone and realizing this is my story is what God is using in ministry mm. and the amount of people that just reach out the first time I shared my story. And I mean, I just had like a list of people 
in my email inbox of, Hey, I'm struggling with that right now. Can we talk? Mm. Hey, I'm also struggling that. Can we talk? And God has used this part of my story as a beacon of hope in my ministry. The, the thing that I was most embarrassed and had so much shame about God is using for good, which is what he does. But if you would have told me that in the moment, I would have called you a liar. Cause I'm like, there's no way, there's no way God could do this. So, yeah, so that's like the brief part. Yeah. Let's, um, you know, before we kind of go to your healing process, I, um, just a few questions. So did, did your mom and dad end up staying together? Are they divorced or? Yeah, they're, they're divorced. Uh, my mom is remarried. Uh, my dad's still, still single. Uh, but it was a, it was a rough divorce journey, like five years to, to make it happen. And five years of sitting, sitting in that with, with my family of just, it, it was like five years of no one developed and no one grew. No one was growing up. Uh, we were just like stuck in this moment for our family. And so now here we are a couple years removed of that, of trying to work our way out of this pit that we're in. Mm. So, you know, you talked about, you said, Hey, everything that I did with forgiveness is not necessarily what I, I'd recommend to other people. Um, but I, I guess even what I'm hearing is to go from the greatest moment of like, I love being around my family to like, Hey, nothing says Merry Christmas. Like your dad giving you news. <laughs> I, I mean, yeah. our listeners have probably gone through that. Like if you could go back again and, you know, f encourage yourself, maybe, Hey, what would I do differently? But also kind of, just empathize with yourself because that that's like really disorienting. And I, I think that that's kind of the problem with sometimes with forgiveness is it's really disorienting when something like that happens. So how would you mm -hmm. do things differently, but also how might you give yourself a little bit of grace too? Yeah. Um, I, when I was finally in a healthy place, I, I said, I, I want to do this better in the future mm. because holding on to pain and bitterness and yelling matches and telling other people in the family, you know, there's more to, to what I own of, Hey, you say younger siblings, you guys shouldn't talk to her. Don't be around her. She's not healthy. Mm. You know, like that's, that's sin on my part that I own. So what I did when I finally got to a healthy ish spot is I just started writing down what would I have done differently? I started reading books on it and I've kind of compiled like a whole document that I made just for myself. So when I get into this moment, Hey, here's what I wish I would have done. So next time and all the times that have happened, because conflict and forgiveness is not something that we're just exempt from in life. It's just, when is the next time? So I've compiled like a document. Hey, what are some things that I need to do? And it's based out of Matthew 18. So I made it when I was, at a healthy point of my life. And the moment for me, the moment that changed everything was when I looked at, at my relationship with my mother and I said, she is always going to be my mom. Mm. And so that, that was, that was the turning point of, Hey, that person in your life as you're struggling with is going to be your parent, your sibling, your son, uh, your daughter, whoever that person is. And there's nothing that I can do to change that. So I had this moment of what if I just mourned the loss of my mom? 
because I was still holding on to the idea, which is the bigger part of the conversation today of if I forgive her, that means everything has to go back to normal. Mm. And you start processing all the things you did as a kid, the, the times where my mom would pick me up early from school and we would go to Disneyland, you know, times where we'd sneak out and do something fun. You know, you, you start to bring all those up. And in my mind, I'm like, I would never want to go on a trip with her. I would, you know, for what she has done. So having this moment of, I mourned the loss of, Hey, this was the relationship that we had. It's gone. I mourned it. If I want a future relationship with my mother moving forward, the, there's a new book open. I have the pen and it's up to me to start writing that new story. The old story's done. We mourn that. That's okay. And there can be parts of the old story that are in the new story, mm-hmm. but you have to work through that and you have to write that down. So that was a, that was a healthy process that I had to do. And as I forgave, it was like praying that prayer daily for months, months and months and months daily till it became easier and easier till it came like, Hey, I want to tell her that I'm praying this, I want to tell her that I forgive her. And it was because I had this moment of mourning. She is my mom. She'll always be my mom and moving forward. Hey, the ball's in my court. If I want to start something in the future. Mm. So let's talk about that conversation with your mom. That was, that was healthy. Um, so I think people imagine forgiveness um, like that I forgive you conversation as being super awkward Um, and probably no matter what it is. So like, let's just kind of call it out. But there's one side, (laughs) there's one side of people can go into a forgiveness conversation and they almost over apologize that the person leaves thinking like, oh, I'm so glad that they said sorry to me. And then there's another side where it's like, I forgive you. I don't own anything that I did, but I forgive you. So talk about how did you approach that conversation? Because you've hinted at, like, I probably wouldn't have told my siblings not to talk to my mom. Those things. And like, how did you kind of bring it to reality? Not necessarily equal, but kind of my wife says it this way. What's my contribution to this problem? Exactly. Yeah. And and I think in, in the majority of these scenarios, as I, as I talk with the, with my people that I'm pastoring, having these conversations with, as you start digging there, it's like, oh yeah, that like that right there, that's something that you must own. Like you own a piece of that. You, you didn't start all of this, but you contributed and you own a piece of that, even if it's, you know, 10% of it. So the conversation was, more of a, Hey, I forgive you. Like it started, it started with that of, Hey, I forgive you. And what I've learned is that forgiveness should come in a moment. Forgiveness is a choice and it's the first choice we make. So the choice of forgiveness comes before the feeling of forgiveness. Hmm. So we can make a choice to forgive someone, but it's like, it's so played out in my story of I prayed I mean, every single day when I got ready for work and I saw that shirt forgive, I was praying that and the choice of forgiveness, I think was made sometime in there, probably months after I started praying when I was like, I think I, I think I believe this. Mm. And then the feeling of forgiveness came way later, even after our 
conversation, but it was going into the conversation and everything in me was, let's just remain calm. Mm -hmm. I'm not going to match. I'm going to remain calm. And I think by the grace of God, that's same thing she was doing. And we both had this moment of like, I miss my mom. And mm. I miss my son and I know there's a divide, but how can we make that divide a little smaller? And it was owning up to like, yes, I, I did some, of, I did some of this and it was her owning up. Yes, I did. Um, what I would have done if I could look back, like the healthy version that I wrote down was not, not like, Hey, you did this no matter of fact, but Hey, here, here's how I feel. Mm. So speak more of a, this is where I'm coming from as a person and less of a accusation. The moment you lead with accusations, the other person shuts down or they start turning up the heat and you're escalating a situation. So I always coach people and this is where I wish I would have done more of this is, Hey, here's how I felt when this happened. Mm. Here, here's how I feel when I talk with you. And we had a little bit of that, but there still was some accusation. So it was like this awkward, like you could feel the tension. And then both of us were like, don't do it, don't do it, don't do it. And it was like this <laughs> up and down. And it was just this beautiful moment of, we talked through most of it. Um, we had the most awkward hug in the history of hugs um, and just said, Hey, let's, let's talk again some point not hey we're we're not going to talk every single day yeah uh, let's talk again let's normalize this um next time i'm in town would love to would love to just grab a lunch or a coffee or a dinner you know it was like the baby steps the boundaries that we both put up with one another because mm. she was also hurt too i caused a lot of that and i was hurt and she caused a lot of that so this is a really awkward conversation but one of the key things that I think God revealed to me as I help and teach people and coach them through this is before I go into that awkward one-on-one -on -one conversation, Matthew 18 is go have the one-on-one -on -one conversation. So before I go into that, I have this really simple prayer, Lord, help me see my mother the same way that you see her, mm. that she is made in your image. Help me understand that your blood covers her the same way that it covers me. So now I walk into this conversation and it's not about me being above this person and looking down, look what you've done, look what you've done to me. I come into this conversation on even playing field. Hey, I'm a broken sinner too. Mm. I have caused pain to other people. In this moment, you've caused some pain to me and I probably have caused some pain to you, but we're coming at, an even playing field in the eyes of God, we are the same. We are his blood covers both of us. Mm. So it's that prayer that I pray. I still do whenever I have like conflict that I need to go into, I pull up this document. I start praying that prayer. The first day is a rough day of praying that prayer. Um, and then it just gets a little, and then once it gets easier after, you know, a day or two, mm -hmm. depending on the situation, then it's like, Hey, I really want to have a conversation on this topic, will you meet up in person or you have a phone call, like something where they can hear the tone of my voice being calm. So that, that was a lot of what it went into. And then it was established with my mom. Then it was establishing boundaries from there on out. Mm. So back up just a little bit, you, you described forgiveness being a choice and then becoming a feeling. Um, mm -hmm. and you know, even there you kind of, cause again, our question is why is forgiveness not only one step? Um, what, what you're kind of describing in your process, what, 
how does forgiveness go from a choice to a feeling? And then even just articulate, you said, hey, I met with her, we put up some boundaries, and kind of where are you today? Yeah, so the what I've learned in scripture is forgiveness is a choice. It's mm. a choice that we make. And this actually came about, like God revealed this to me through a weekend service at Mariners. And our senior pastor, Eric, was teaching on forgiveness. And he gave everybody this piece of paper. And of course, it's branded, you know, all that. It's not just like a random piece of paper. On one side, it was write down all the ways God has shown you forgiveness. Mm. And I mean, I'm sitting there like I usher like, hey, I need like four or five more pieces of paper, like writing down all the ways that God has forgiven me. And it was beautiful. Like, oh your forgiveness is so vast in my life. And then you flip it to the other side and it says, where are the places that you need to show forgiveness to others? And that was a really, really tough exercise when you got to the backside, the front side, you're just flowing and the backside. It's like, ah, I don't know. So it's this heart of, I have been forgiven much. So I then need to go and forgive much. Mm. So forgiveness is this choice, but it doesn't, you don't feel it until later on as you establish boundaries. And I see this played out in my kids. Like even this morning, my four-year-old is running wild, sees my one-year-old girl with a toy and he comes storming in like a wrecking ball, like pushes her over, steals the toy. Then we have this moment of, hey, say sorry, hug. We give the toy back to one-year-old and four-year-old is so confused like okay i want to play with with my sister again and one-year-old is smart enough to know if i let you near me to play you're probably going to push me over and take the toy again so one-year-old saying no stay away and sometimes in forgiveness we can we can give forgiveness and then it's like the only thing i want from you is space mm. and sometimes when i ask for forgiveness i'm like great i asked for forgiveness like let's go hang out. Let's go, let's go watch a game. Let's go do this. And people are looking at you like, no, you hurt me. I just need space from you. Like leave me alone. So it, it's, it's just the idea that you can have forgiveness in a moment, but it takes some time until you start to really feel it and it, and it comes into play. So as I look with my mom, it was us establishing boundaries. So um, as I'm trying to study, I, I wrote some notes up here. That's why my eyes are moving. But boundaries are about taking responsibility for our own lives. Mm -hmm. I think boundaries are rooted in our own self-control. Mm. So when we are born on this earth, we are given a sin nature. That's what we are born with, default. Mm -hmm. And my sin nature, all I want to do is control other people. Mm. So if if my sin nature goes unchecked, I will want to control everything and everyone in my life. Just mm. control, control. When I say yes to Jesus, I am then given a sin fighting nature. Mm -hmm. So then I fight that desire to want to control people. So for me, boundaries are rooted in self-control. So boundaries are only healthy if they're uh, emotionally, physically protecting you or the ones that you love. So having an emotional barrier, like I'm not going to let my mom run wild in my life again after I just went through that emotional uh, thing that happened. And 
I think the hard part about boundaries is in our lives, the people who have unlimited access, when you put boundaries up, they're going to be the ones who are going to kick and scream like a toddler. Mm. Like I've had in, I've had unlimited access to you. I said, sorry, what's the deal? And they're going to be the ones who push on those boundaries, just push, 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 push. But boundaries are only boundaries if they're communicated clearly and if they emotionally um, or physically protect you or someone that you care about. So a child, yeah. uh, my wife. So that, that was kind of the process of setting up healthy boundaries. But it's so unfair, and I kind of went into a little bit of this too, to set up a boundary and when the other person honors it, to not bring the boundaries back. Mm. It's like, hey, I've done everything that you have asked. And I'm still sitting here with these crazy boundaries. And that's the part where you have to pray and say, hey, God, what does it look like for me to bring the boundaries down? Is this still healthy? Or have my boundaries now become out of spite and getting revenge? And are they turning sinful? But my boundaries aren't to make others happy. You know, I so I, I want to come back to that because I've seen in the Atlantic, um, I'm forgetting, um, I'll probably Google it later, but there there's a therapist out there that, you know, is writing, you know, about this. And so there's something about millennials and boundaries that I feel like there's a misinterpretation. And you gave a really good definition of that it protects. Um, and even what you just said there, um, and I think Henry Cloud said it's, the distance between you and me, you know, it's a boundary. So I, I guess when you think about boundaries and forgiveness being one step, not the only step, um, how do you know when your boundaries are way too much? Because I, I do think some, uh, there's this perception out there of, you know, I'm thinking of, you know, safety. Um, I'm thinking of like, you know, us millennials, we can't hard, you know, we can't handle the hard conversations, but somewhere there's got to <laughs> yep. be that. So what, how do you see that? What's a healthy way to engage boundaries? And when, when are your boundaries kind of crossing a boundary? Yeah. Um, first is prayer. Mm-hmm. Like these weren't boundaries that I just made up on the spot. It was like, I need to have some sort of boundaries because my, my heart is still healing from this. Like the feeling of forgiveness is still getting there. Mm. And I know if I don't have boundaries, my feeling of forgiveness will never actually get to that place. Mm. So it was, it was praying. Um, and even thinking about, Hey, what does this mean for my family? Like, so it's, it's two sided of what does this look like? If my boundaries are too firm, what, what am I, telling my kids in the future about boundaries? How am I teaching mm. them by what I do? So it's, it's two sides of the coin that I want to make sure I, I want to, everybody to see that other side of, Hey, I don't want to, I'm not going to put these crazy harsh boundaries up where everybody looks at me like, what, like that's, that's the model. That's the example. Mm. Um, but at the same time, it's how do I continue to heal in this journey? It's also about bringing other people in. So there's, there's a few people in my life that they can speak into different areas and I'm so glad when they do, uh, I have this moment of pain. Uh, I can't believe you would say that to me, 
but I also gave you the green light to do that. And then I sit at home and like process what it is. I'm like, oh, they were so right. They were so right. So having people in my life that can just remain neutral and help me as I process some of these things, which is what I get to do here for so many people is as they're having that, you know, their boundaries are, okay, well, they're never allowed to my house ever again. They're never allowed to my wedding and this. And it's like, whoa, hey, like, did you pray about that? Walk me through, like, what's the why? And then you come to find out like, hey, those boundaries that you set up are out of spite and out of revenge. Like, mm. do you really think that's healthy? Do you Did you really pray about that and you feel complete peace at that? So that's what I get to do with so many people. And it's it's so fun because I get to say, hey, I've been in your shoes and look where I screwed up. Don't make my mistakes. Mm. But it was allowing other people in my life to help me with that. Our boundaries most of the time always start off super strong, like so far out. And then having wise counsel allows me to bring it in. And as boundaries are honored, it comes a time where I would reach out and it's, hey, do you do you want to go out with the whole family? Hey, can we come over to your house? Hey, can you come over to my house? Um, and I would say my mother and I have probably a stronger relationship than we ever had growing up now. Mm. And it's the most beautiful, beautiful thing. The level of conversations that we have, uh, the things that we get to do together, uh, the life that we live uh, is so much stronger than it ever was. Like there's just, I can't even think of words to describe, mm. but it's so much stronger than what it was growing up. And this moment, the way both of us eventually handled it and created boundaries with each other, honored boundaries, pulled boundaries back, uh, was so helpful for their, our future relationship and where, where we're at today. So let, let's go back to that Christmas morning that your dad gave you the news. <laughs> um, I think what I hear you kind of saying is um, you probably would have made the choice for forgiveness, maybe not right away, um, but just yeah. you would have made a choice. But th there's probably a lot of, you just wish you would have slowed down. Um, and And so kind of paint a picture of Christmas Day in the next three months to our listeners of, you know, how you might have handled things differently. Yeah, I went to immediate, like, I'm going to get you back. Like, mm. you stuck a dagger in me. I'm going to create my own daggers and stick them right back of, you know, whatever gift you gave me. I'm not opening it. I don't want it. I want nothing to do with it. Like, you know, everything would just shut down. Uh, this is done. And... It was so much spite instead of uh, like questioning it. I think one of the things God has taught me this year is actually I learned it from our former senior pastor, Kenton Bishore. He sat me down and said, have you seen Ted Lasso? And there's a scene in Ted Lasso where they're throwing darts and I promise it'll get there. And he essentially said, be curious before you're judgmental. Mm. So that's something that has stuck with me and that I help, like, even as, as I'm walking with people like, Hey, let's, let's be curious. Like what's going on? Like, is there something bigger 
happening. Mm. And I wish in that moment, I would have been a little bit more curious. I wish I would have extended a little bit more grace, like led with grace in the situation of, Hey, I'm, this pains me, but I'm not going to dish it right back. Mm. And that's what Matthew five sermon on the Mount is, is turning the other cheek. And I didn't turn the other cheek. I put the boxing gloves on and went right at it. So as much self-control that I have and having that prayer is just embedded into my brain of, Hey, help me see this person the same way you see them as made in your image, that their blood covers them the same way it covers me. I think having that prayer would have drastically changed mm. this whole outcome. I, I still would have been hurt, still would have had to work through a lot of stuff. But I think the amount that I had to own up to, I think that would have significantly dropped had I worked through this, had I been a little bit more mature in my faith, um, even mature in this specific setting. So walking forward, it's whenever someone pain, like does something to hurt me, my first step is always going to that prayer and helping me not get on my high horse looking down. It's like a humble check, hopefully. So when you reflect back of your reaction to, to kind of take revenge and spite and not hope in the present, um, was it you were so mad for your dad was it you felt like this was your fault? Was it just dis like what was it that like you look back and go, I was super angry and here's why? Uh, there was a lot of entitlement. Um, I was getting ready to get married. So our we had just gotten engaged a couple months prior. We had just set the date. Uh, this was the first time I had my future in-laws all at Christmas, they flew out. It was the most perfect picture of what I could imagine a Christmas morning to be. Like everybody that I loved was right here. And I felt that I was entitled to my own happiness because this was my season. Like all eyes on us, everybody, hey, how's the wedding planning going? Uh, so it was my own ego getting in the way of, wow, you destroyed this moment for me. You destroyed all this happiness I, that I'm entitled to. I'm I'm about to plan a wedding. I had my in-laws here. Like you destroyed this entire moment. So a lot of it was my own ego, uh, what I thought I was entitled to, mm. which I was not entitled to that at all. So th I think that was a big a big thing for me. Yes, I was also sad for my dad. I was also pained like you're you're a follower of jesus you're you're a christian like you know better like you know mm -hmm. how wrong this is so it turned more into immediate judgment i wish i was a little bit more curious i wish i led with grace but it was it was a lot of what i projected on myself of what i thought i was entitled to mm. were were you upset with your parents that they didn't tell you before that this was going on like I mean, that seems frustrating. Yeah. Yeah, it was. Um, it There's there's just no other way around it, though. Sure. Uh, my dad was doing everything that he could. And it. I think it was more of like a, today's going to be really weird. And you're going to, you're either going to play it out in your head and see it. Or I'm just going to tell you about it. Mm-hmm. 
it was, it was one of those, like you're like almost bringing my expectations down at the same time. And like, and even for him, like he was holding that in all on his own. So it, he needed to get that out. So I, I don't really have any pain towards, towards them. Like, yeah, there's always something about a moment Like that's another teaching. Like, when do we share these moments? Um, but <laughs> yeah. So we've talked about your mom and, you know, one of the things that you said is like, I made a decision to forgive my mom because she's my mom. Like, I don't have anybody else. Like that's the only person that'll fill that role. Um, there's probably no great way. What about those optional relationships in your life? Um, you know, friend or non-family member, coworker, like, does it change a little bit or, I mean, how do you help people walk through something like that? Yeah, I think, I think it changes. Um, one of the things, especially is if there is a story of abuse involved mm -hmm. and, um, to those who are listening, I, I couldn't imagine being in your shoes, especially hearing a topic like, like this. So if there's a story of, of abuse, I think the boundaries look completely different. Mm -hmm. Um, and it's keeping those boundaries up. Um, I know like with, especially when kids are involved and, um, like for me, that's a boundary that will always remain up to protect them. But yeah, I mean, I've had, I've had things with friends and I would say I want to get to a place when I have issues with friends that I can be cordial with them. I want to be able to see a friend uh, walking around a grocery store and be able to say hi, but not knowing, Hey, this doesn't have to be what it used to be, mm -hmm. but I don't want to sit there and say, Hey, I never had that conversation mm. because as millennial, we talked about this with millennials and hard conversations. Our thing with millennials, what culture tells us is, Hey, if someone wrongs you, just ghost them. Another millennial term, like shut down, don't ever have, you don't need to have that conversation. Just take them out of your life altogether, which I don't think works with the gospel. Mm -hmm. So for me, as I'm having, as I have had this with other people, it's, Hey, you know what? Our relationship probably isn't going to be the same, but I want to leave knowing, Hey, faultless before the throne as much as I can. Like, I love that song cornerstone. It's very overplayed. Uh, but I love that line faultless stand before the throne. Like, what do I get to own? And I want to make sure that I, at least we had the conversation and some of the things that I walk people through is even when you're having conversation at the end of the day, like when all perspectives are heard and there's still a difference, like you just have to honor that, mm. like that. And that's the hard part with, with forgiveness is at the end of the day, um, when all details are heard and valued, there's still going to be some differences and that's okay. We honor them. But my hope with all relationships is that I will always give the impression that the door is always open for an open dialogue down the road. So whether we may not have like gotten to the same place and Hey, I, I value everything that you have said. I see this a little differently. Um, I, I want you to know that I still love you, that we're still friends. It may not look the, the same moving forward, but this door is always open. It's always mm -hmm. open for continued 
dialogue and our boundaries are going to, are going to look different. So I think, I think a lot of people, um, you know, and I'll only throw this out there, but you don't have to take it. You can take it in another direction. Like a lot of people in your shoes would want your mom to just acknowledge I had an affair that was wrong. Um, without the, Hey, these were some of the circumstances around it. And I think for a lot of people, their struggle with forgiveness is forgiveness as a choice is contingent upon acknowledging a hundred percent of the wrong that I felt. And I think the picture that you're painting is, Hey, there's going to be some things that are misinterpreted, you know, but forgiveness isn't contingent on acknowledgement. Acknowledgement is more contingent on reconciliation of like, Mm -hmm. Hey, there's some things we can agree to disagree to, but there's some certain non-negotiables that we, we kind of can't move past. Like if I'm forgiving you of something that I believe I've felt pain and hurt and you're completely dismissing that. I don't know. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah. They, I, there are some, like if my mom was like, Hey, I didn't do that. Be like, yes, you did. Uh, (laughs) we all know it. Uh, we know it, we know it to be true, but she didn't. But in those situations, it's still like, I'm, I, that's why I always, I always coach people to, to not lead with accusation, but the, Mm. the, Hey, I, I felt frustrated when, Hey, this hurt me when, uh, Hey, I'm so confused by this. And it really like softens the blow and keeps the dialogue going versus the accusation approach. And it's super hard because so many people want to come in with the details. You know, Mm. they want to lead with the details. It's like, it was a Thursday at 3 PM and the other, no, it was, it was, it was four 30. You know, and like people want to like fight over, over details and details are necessary, but they come after differences and perspectives can be heard and valued. Mm. Mm. So I, I, I'm more of like the perspective on it than getting nitty gritty and all the details. And that there's been times where, Hey, I'm so sorry. You, you feel that way. I'm like, we are not seeing eye to eye on this. And I had, I had one of those earlier this year and it was to the point where, Hey, you don't see it this way. I don't see it this way. Um, I'm so sorry. Like, Hey, I'm going to own up to this. I'm going to call this out in you in a loving, non-accusatory way, but we left it at that. And our relationship is super cordial. What used to be extremely close is super cordial. There's just boundary until we can get over that that hurdle which i don't know if we ever will uh, it's just it's super cordial like we see each other it's hey good to see you how are you doing but it's not we're not investing into that relationship but i'm also when i see them in a public place i'm not oh we got to turn around we got to leave mm-hmm. like it's i the door is open for continued dialogue um the i hope that they heard over and over again, how much I love them. And I, I, I truly do care for them, but we had a really big difference in opinion and we kind of left it at that instead of digging in more and more and more, the differences were very, very different and that's Mm. okay. And very far apart. But we said, Hey, these, these are kind of some of our boundaries and we, we left it at that. Hey, I love you. Um, and that was it. Mm. So, 
so Matthew 18, um, it kind of gets thrown around and, um, you know, so like in your mind, you know, one of the things, so first people need to understand that Jesus talks about forgiveness. That's where he talks about 70 times seven. Like, first of all, like mm-hmm. he's saying, you've been forgiven. It's kind of the, the value, um, the vision for forgiveness, but there, there's the process of the one-on-one to the one-on-one with another person to the church. Um, mm-hmm. you know, I, so the, my boss, the discipleship pastor, his name's John, it's different when you work, but there, there's been certain situations where he's facilitated an incarnational listening session. That's what he calls it. Where <laughs> What a name. I love it. Oh, uh, it's great. It's great. And, you know, so basically the goal is you bring two parties together and, you know, again, it's all about the I statements. I felt this. It's not a detailed conversation, um, you know, but at the end of each comment, you know, the person you know, says, I, I think I hear what you're saying is this, like, mm-hmm. and we can talk a little bit more about that, but in your, you know, kind of in your experience, when do you up the level of, we just need someone else in the room to kind of facilitate and kind of be kind of helpful boundaries or, you know, even do you skip the one-on-one to do the facilitation? How do you navigate that? Yeah, I would say it's very few times where I would skip the one-on-one. Mm-hmm. Um, like, I think that's such a growth moment for us as followers of Jesus. And especially for the reason I, I use this for millennials so much is because they hate having the one-on-one conversation. Mm-hmm. And so many people as a ministry leader, I will get like random messages Hey, this person wronged me and said this. Can you kick them out? And it's like, <laughs> whoa, you want me to kick them out of the church because you two were having a conflict like over a boy? It's it's just this <laughs> like complete jump. And and so I, I will always say like, hey, that's a level three request. I will get involved if you show me that you can do step one and step two. If you can do step one well, and then I coach them through uh, hey, read this verse. What are you hearing? What are you saying? Hey, let's read in Matthew five. Let's read in Matthew six. Like, what are you hearing? And then we coach them through, Hey, what's, what's this prayer? Like, how can you, how can you pray that prayer? And it's like, I can't even pray it right now. Like, great. Then you should not go into a conversation with them right now. Uh, so like Matthew 18, I, I love that because I think it's such a, a process of discipling of, Hey, I'm going to go have a hard conversation. And I'm going to pray and we're going to, I'm going to help both one, both parties, depending on the situation. Um, but helping people like walk through because most of the time they're going to have a conflict in another area, like at work, I'm not going to jump into their work thing. And at work, they're not going to be going through conflict like scripture. It's going to look totally different. Mm -hmm. So if they can start doing this, everywhere else like they're bringing the gospel everywhere they go i'm empowering them to have a good conversation i'm empowering them to be the hands and feet of jesus i'm empowering them to lead with forgiveness and grace so i that's why i i love matthew 18 and it really helps us help that person grow as a follower of jesus no i think that that's really great and you know just 
you know, probably should have you throw out some recommendations at some point, you know, uh, we got publishers listening, you got to write the book. So, uh, <laughs> but, uh, you know, Eric Geiger, he's written a couple books there. So anyways, but you know, a couple just kind of quick tips that I'm thinking about resource wise. Um, I, I always think emotionally healthy relationships by Pete Scazzaro, Pete and Jerry mm. Scazzaro. I think that that's yeah. huge. And, you know, I think the growth area in forgiveness for me you know, with what you've said about curiosity, um, you know, I've started using the phrase I'm puzzled by because the majority of the forgiveness problems that we have, um, at least for me, are actually like assumptions. Like this yes. person did this because, um, you know, this person didn't invite me because they didn't want to see me there. And it's like, no, they didn't invite you, you know, Maybe they didn't think about it. Maybe they don't like, there's a ton of stuff there, but yeah. you know, to be able to sit with this person and just say, Hey, you know, I'm puzzled by this. And even sometimes for us to grow, like just because we didn't get invited, that might be a bad example. Like you don't always have to like everything that you seem right. But so emotionally healthy spirituality, I think kind of leading with curiosity because a lot of times people can, they'll tell you the other side that you didn't see. Um, you know, mm -hmm. I, I'm puzzled, you know, help me understand, you know, what you said in this meeting. Cause I'm, I don't think I'm hearing it. Like there's just some of these terms that we need to kind of slow us down and at least kind of yep. give us time. Because I think there's just with kind of the, the mini forgiveness moments, sometimes you don't even have to say, I forgive you. Cause you're like, Oh, that's what they meant. You know? And then you're just kind of saying, mm -hmm. Hey, just want to let you know, that's how it hit me. You know, if you choose yeah. to change, that's fine. So I don't know what other tips, um, what other books would you recommend? Probably boundaries by Henry cloud, but I just kind of want to throw yeah. that out there. Um, I just picked up, uh, Tim Keller's new book, forgive, forgive forgiveness. Mm. I'm so excited, uh, to learn more from him. Um, he's just a wealth of knowledge. And I actually, as, as I write my, conflict like paper that I give out to people and like every couple months it's like oh I, I should probably add this uh to it I learned a lot from John Maxwell's book leadership and mm. it's a leadership book but there's a whole chapter on conflict and forgiveness and it, it was just really great it's really practical leadership side um and then our our senior pastor Eric a uh, couple couple months ago did a a talk on on forgiveness that was just beautiful. I, I love this topic. So I'm drawn to it because like there's a, I think it's Ephesians three, like Paul's saying, Hey, what's your purpose? What's your purpose on this planet? And Paul said, my purpose is to share the gospel and preach the gospel. And as I have been processing that this year, like, what is my purpose? Everything always gets brought back to this story in my life. And it's like, wow, ripping off the bandaid again, God. Hmm? And it's actually through my own pain that other people are struggling. There's so many people struggling in our world with this topic and God's allowing, Hey, here's what I've taught you. Like, here's what you're learning. Here's where you've screwed up. Share the wealth, help people, help people lead. And imagine what our, imagine what our culture would look like if more people extended forgiveness, imagine mm -hmm. if more people led with grace, imagine if more people owned up to, Hey, here's where I was wrong. 
will you please forgive me? Imagine mm. if more people took an inventory of the ways God has forgiven them and turned around and said, here's where I need to go seek forgiveness now. Mm. So just helping my brain think that way of how could we transform a mm. generation with this? But those are, those are a couple of resources. Um, yeah, that leadership book was great. I'm so excited to jump into Keller's book. Um, and then this is just random things that I've learned in messages. If I see a message on forgiveness, I'm probably going to listen to it uh, just because I'm so drawn to the topic of learning more and how can I be better at this? What else have I done wrong? Mm -hmm. Oh, that's great. Hey, we close every episode with a question, you know, what does Jesus have to say about forgiveness? Not, uh, not being only one step. So um, I go first and then like a great pastor, you can clean up whatever mess I leave. Does that sound good? <laughs> Sounds great. Oh yeah. Um, so as I think about this question and kind of what Jesus would say about this, um, you know, Dallas, you've already hinted at this, but I grew up with a church that um, had a very messy conflict and ended up splitting. And the pastor that pastored after the split, like pretty much every Sunday he was preaching unforgiveness is a poison we drink while we wait for the other person to die. Bitterness is letting people um, live rent-free in your mind. Um, you know, I, I have those quotes in my head, and I I think what, what Jesus, you know, would say is that, you know, forgiveness is is kind of opening yourself up to growth in areas that you can't see. It doesn't diminish the pain. And, you know, even this morning I was reading in Hebrews that he's our high priest that, um, that he identifies with our weakness, with empathy. And, and I just kind of think that forgiveness when, with Jesus being so close to us is, is not something he wants from us. It's something that he wants for us. And, you know, it's not like we talked a lot about maybe areas in forgiveness for me, but hearing your story, I hope people catch that vision that, you know, forgiveness is something that God wants for us, you know, for our growth um, in that. So I don't know. What would you add to that? What are your thoughts on what Jesus would say? Yeah, I think that's great. I think that's beautiful. Um, yeah, it's definitely opening up our hearts, being vulnerable. Uh, I, I would say forgiveness doesn't mean everything goes back to normal. Mm. Forgiveness doesn't mean it's the same relationship. Forgiveness is the gift that you give yourself and thinking it through that lens is I'm going to give myself the gift of forgiveness so I don't have to live in the pit of bitterness. Mm. So forgiveness is a choice that I make, but forgiveness comes in a moment and working through that building up of boundaries. Things may go back to normal, but they don't. And how does that happen? It's only by the strength and the grace of God. And I, I just don't know how you can rebuild a relationship without having the power of the Holy Spirit working through mm. your life. Like I can, I can tell people, Hey, where are you reading scripture? Like what, what is God teaching you right now? And to hear that answer is like, okay, God's going to give you the strength. Like you're aligned in God's word. There's so many studies where spiritual growth comes from reading scripture, being in God's word. So being attached to the ultimate source of power to strengthen you, to get you through this is the only way, but forgiveness doesn't mean everything goes back to normal. It's the choice and the gift that you make and you give yourself. Mm. Dallas, thanks so much for being on. Where can people find you? 
find me in Southern California, um, wherever you're <laughs> listening. Um, it's really beautiful. Like right now, uh, today we have a high of 63 and I am wearing a sweatshirt. Um, all my Michigan people don't judge me. Um, yeah, I get to work at Mariner's Church and Mariner's Church is amazing. I love what God's doing here. I'm, I'm so, so blessed and humbled to do that. But you can follow me on Instagram, Dallas underscore Viva. I'm not on Twitter. Um, you can follow me on Facebook, but I don't do much there. So Instagram. <laughs> I think you're the first person that said, you know, just come visit me in, in where I live. So that's great. Yeah. And, come hang anyway. out come hang out well who knows you might see me out there you can find us at whygotwhypodcast.com click subscribe you'll get this episode and many others to your email inbox uh thank you so much for joining us